evening, everyone, and welcome to the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education Meet the Artist program. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. Many of these interviews are available via podcast on our new interactive website, so check it out. There's lots of great stuff there, including photos, videos, and the company's blog, Open Studio 455. Today is Friday, March 9th, 2012, and I have the pleasure of interviewing principal dancer Damian Smith. Please welcome him. Good evening. Damien's been dancing with the company for 16 years, and he's known for his eloquence as a partner and his range in classical character and contemporary roles. He was born in New South Wales, Australia, and trained in Newcastle, Sydney, and New York's School of American Ballet. He joined San Francisco Ballet in 1996 as a corps de ballet dancer and was promoted to soloist two years later. In 2001, he was promoted to principal dancer. He has guested with companies and in festivals and benefits around the world and received a 2010 Isadora Duncan Award for Best Group Performance for Kenneth McMillan's The Invitation. So I'm sure everybody has their own favorite Damien roles, but I'm going to tell you a few of mine. The Padida in Christopher Wielden's After the Rain, he does a mean Iago in Lar Lubavitch's Othello. A really poetic poet in John Newmeyer's Little Mermaid. And principal roles in Helgi Thomason's Seven for Eight and George Balanchine's Stravinsky Violin Concerto really stand out for me. But he's done everything. So then there's Tybalt, which he danced just last night. So... Let's talk about that a little bit. He's a rather explosive fellow. Um, I would imagine that there's a lot with body language and sort of really having to be in the moment in terms of his characterization. But what's it, what's it like to do this role? Um, well, it's an ever, you know, evolving um, exploration. And um, I think it's really about the subtleties, <clears throat> not sort of being too extremely aggressive off the bat, but um, working up to that and choosing those moments appropriately. Um, it, it's one of those roles that are also easy to get carried away with, but um, sometimes you've got to hold yourself back a little bit because you are carrying a dagger and a sword. So you've got to be careful. <clears throat> um, Last night was a, uh, the, um, I don't know if anybody saw the performance last night, but it was a really, there was a really wonderful energy and um, something I felt <clears throat> for, that I was feeding off of all the other characters was um, just the intention that, that, you know, wasn't, there are moments where you are not focused primarily on the steps or the choreography, but just the intention and the emotional aspects and, and that sort of, um, collaboration between yourself and the other dancers. So that was really intense last night and uh, really enjoyable. You mentioned daggers and swords. So one of the things about this production is that um, a, a stuntman and actor named Martino Pistone 
set the fight scenes uh, with Helgi Thomason, of course. And each year he comes back to work with the dancers um, because it is a little bit dangerous. So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to learn that sword fighting? Um, well, first and foremost, there are just <clears throat> the basic techniques and um, structure of the sword fighting, um, you know, involving uh, parry one, parry two, certain positions. And I think they, they focus mostly on safety, um, which is very important because there's so many people on the stage at once. And, um, you know, just a very subtle moment being off could really throw off, you know, could sort of, you know, roll down and, and really sort of disrupt a lot of other people. Um, there have been a few people that have, not, nothing terribly serious, but there have been a few wounds here and there. Um, and what's interesting is that um, depending on who you're fighting with, I, I've um, actually fought as Tybalt with maybe four or five different Romeos. And um, so that's also very unique in itself as well. Um, and you then develop, you know, that sort of relationship and can really sort of anticipate uh, what is going to occur before it does when you sort of have that, you know, familiar um, relationship with another dancer. Um, you know, Yuri Pozikov was certainly one I was very afraid of. <laughs> and uh, Pierre Villanova, I've probably performed uh, the role he as Romeo and he as Tybalt, probably the most, uh, and he and I really got into a, you know, sort of gelled into a mold where it, it was very comfortable, but, but not, you know, um, easy. But, I mean, sort of comfortable in, in the, the, the good sense, uh, yeah. So you mentioned having to, to do this with different Romeos, and, and this season you are Tybalt with David Karapetian's... No, Vito, Vito. Oh, Vito, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, so if you get switched, if casting gets switched around at the last minute, is that difficult to adjust in terms of timing and... Yes, yes and no. I mean, if, if, you know, each of the dancers are sort of prepared and, um, you know, do what is choreographed and what is necessary and stick to that, um, there are all, I mean, just in, in, in any ballet when there's a change, if um, you have to dance with a different ballerina for cause of injury or something like that, there's, of course, that, that you know, transition um, Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's not quite easy, uh, but it keeps it fresh. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with principal dancer Damien Smith. So you're, in addition to being a dancer, a little bit of an entrepreneur in that you put together, produced, directed, performed in a tour of some San Francisco ballet dancers to Australia, I think in 2010. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how and why did that come about? Um, well, I was asked to, um, if I would consider, you know, putting together a group and taking them to Australia to do a few performances in a festival, um, which I agreed to. I thought it would be a challenge and an opportunity for me to uh, perform for many of my relatives and friends and family home in Australia. Um, but also introduce, you know, some Australia to this wonderful group of dancers. Um, I kind of 
I had to bite off a lot more than I was prepared to chew, but I managed. Um, I had to do the fundraising. I um, had to get all the rights and the music and costume rentals and um, travel and accommodation and per diem and contracts and working visas. And I, um, I worked for about 11 months on putting it together uh, from you know, 11 p.m. until about 5 a.m. in the morning, almost every evening or morning. But <clears throat> it certainly was not a waste of time. Um, it was a really valuable learning um, experience for me to, to appreciate every aspect of what goes into um, having these performances uh, available to us or even being a part of just sort of appreciating and understanding the financial, the PR, the marketing, um, the creative, I mean, all of those different departments that really opened my eyes in many ways and really kind of made me appreciate what part I'm contributing to as well. Um, the performances went very well. We got a lot of good press. And um, I, didn't, I think every single dancer that I took, I took eight, uh, seven principal dancers, um, Francis Chung, Sarah Van Patten, Pierre Villanova, Gennady Nedvigan, David Karapetian, Vanessa Zahorian, and myself. Yuan Yuan was in another country guesting, so she was not available. Um, I took Jane Green as uh, production manager and Parish Maynard from the San Francisco Ballet School to be the ballet master. I got um, massages for everybody and uh, valet cars and I think every single person that I took agreed that they would um, go back again immediately so they were all very happy. How many performances did you get? We did three performances. All in your hometown? No actually they were up the coast uh, it was up in uh, Queensland it was a, uh, a summer festival a winter festival in Queensland. Um, it was like more like a gala evening um, because there were only seven of us. I had each um, couple do two pieces, so it was quite a short evening. There was only one intermission. Um, there was Romeo and Juliet Padida from Sarah and Pierre uh, Swan Lake, and then I mixed it up a little bit, did some contemporary and classical. We did White Swan Padida after the rain. Um, within the Golden Hour, a partida from Christopher Wilden. <clears throat> um, there was a new piece that was created on Gennady and Francis that they premiered down there. Um, there was a piece choreographed by Nicola Blanc, who was a principal in the company who choreographed a piece for Vanessa and David. Um, I did the solo aria, which was choreographed by Val Canaparoli. Uh, so it was a really, it was a nice mixture, sort of give them, you know, all sorts of flavors. So, excuse me, we'll have time for some questions at the end. Thanks. So um, you told me at one point that you took a year off, I think, early in your career to decide whether you really wanted to dance. And thank you for deciding the answer was yes. Um, what, what made you decide this was it? Um, well, I think there was so much happening at once when, <clears throat> excuse me, um, anyone else suffering from allergies these days with this weather, by the way? <clears throat> um, 
I went to New York. I left Australia very young, and I went to the New York City Ballet School for a few years, and I then moved to France um, when I was 18 years old, which was a big change. But, you know, I was young and naive and, you know, took many risks. Um, and the company that I was working for in Paris uh, was a small company that was just being developed. Uh, it folded after a year. So I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, um, whether I should return to Australia, whether I should, I mean, I just didn't know. And so I have an aunt who has recently retired, but she was an opera singer in London. So I got on the boat and went to London and knocked on my aunt's door instead. And um, I got a job working in a pub. <laughs> When I was, I just turned 19. I had no experience whatsoever, and um, I didn't last very long because, you know, I wasn't very good. Um, but I, I think it was more. I was, you know, I hadn't had any experience really, and so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the theater. I didn't have a large repertoire of many, many ballets I saw. I, I mean, I was just excited to study dance and execute and dance. So as this entire, you know, world of ballet that w was opening up to me, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure yet if it was what I really wanted or not. You know, it was sort of a, a, a new relationship developing. So, but I never lost the, the uh, desire and the, the absolute certainty in my heart that I will dance, but just in what capacity or where or when. So I just, in that brief time, I um, took a short break and then found my way again. So you, you say you were, you were young and naive then, which you were. And now I'm just old and naive. <laughs> now that you're old and naive, what, what do you think you've learned about yourself over the course of your career? I'm not going to preach. <laughs> um, never to take myself too seriously, of course. Um, you know, <clears throat> there are things I, I, what have I learned? I mean, I've learned many things, but applying them to myself is really the challenge. Um, you know, not to take anything for granted, but that's a very difficult one that I want to continue to remind myself as long as I live. <clears throat> um, I've learned to listen um, and to never be absolutely certain about anything, really. Those are good lessons. So it's just in terms of performing, um, you know, have, you, have your expectations of, of the experience or the rewards you get from it changed in any way as, as you've matured? You know, things that, everything's changing all the time. Um, and it's really, you know, the, it's really, it's my choice and my decisions to, to be affected or, or to how I'm going to react or feel about something. Um, that I think I take, sometimes I, I respect things more because they're, they're ephemeral, fleeting occurrences. Um, but 
you know, sometimes you become accustomed to something and you then begin to take it for granted and you've got to remind yourself how precious and how wonderful this is and how blessed I am to, to be doing what I love. Um, so that's just an ever-going exercise for me. So you've worked with a lot of different um, ballerinas. Um, you do a lot of partnering. And when you've worked with someone many times, um, how does that change when you're approaching a new part together? Are there things that are, that are kind of understood between you? Or is ever, do you have to approach every role as if you've never worked together to figure out exactly what's right for this? I think maybe the hardest part in developing a partnership <clears throat> is the actual two people. For me, um, developing that, that trust and the, um, that, that subtle you know, coordination of understanding one's reflexes, um, I think that is something that you cannot skip or cheat. It does take time. Um, and, and there are compromises. It's like any relationship you've got to sort of, there's a give and a take um, to, to create an equal, equal balance. Um, and then there's the layering, which I think is the, the, the choreography and the dance, um, I think is sort of what goes on top of that. Um, so when you're learning a new piece with a partner that you're familiar with, yes, there's a lot of new stuff of the steps and whatnot, and, and there are, and you also don't want to approach every piece as the same dancer. You want to actually be able to mold to what that piece is. Um, but there is a personal, you know, aspect of yourself that goes into all of those different pieces as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, somebody, of course, I dance with most frequently here now in the company is Yuan Yuan Tan. And I'm very blessed to have, I actually, she was one of the first ballerinas I danced with when I joined the company. So she and I danced a piece from Peter Martin's called The Walsh Project 16 years ago. And um, we have a really nice relationship um, on and off the stage. Um, but, and that's clear, you know, um, I think it's more just an understanding and a trust um, and patience and uh, gives us the opportunity to create what we do. And, and when you've done a particular role many times, is it difficult to keep it fresh, or do you? Do you... Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you feel like you're recycling recyclables, and it turns into dust. But that is really a reflection on myself. I think you know, sometimes I may get fed up with something, or get you know bored, or I've done this a thousand times, or I've tried to do it new. I've tried to find something else. There's always something new. You know, and if you can't find it, then there's something wrong with myself, really. Um, you know, one of the, I don't know if any of, many of you have seen this movie, Pina, um, that was at the movies from Pina Bausch. It was, I think, exceptionally um, wonderful. Um, something that really spoke to me was, uh, you know, I've had conversations with other people where, with choreographers, and people say, are often saying, oh, that's been done before, or oh, that looks like that ballet, or that, you know, they're copying off this person. Um, of course, there's only so many shapes and, and angles that the human form can actually create, and of course, things are going to be repeated. But this movie taught me that it's about intention. You can do the exact same move, but what your emotional or, you know, um, mental uh, intention is, makes it completely different. So there's always something for me to find that makes it fresh again.
Um, just, just going back to your early years, was there a particular teacher or anyone who kind of took you under their wing and really helped you along? In, in, excuse me, in dance? Well, I guess in anything. I mean, I try and be a student uh, in general, but uh, so there's been many teachers. You know, I think, I think I, ca I can't, I couldn't just pinpoint one. I would say all of them have had a, a, an influence and a valuable, you know, part of, of you know, helping me and training me and coaching me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Uh, no, I don't have a favorite. Okay. Are, are you doing the LEAP program? Yes. Yeah. So the part, of, part of your ongoing education is getting that BA degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm going to open this up now to questions. So, oh, lots of hands. Great. Um, yes, right here. The question is, uh, what are the swords made of in Romeo and Juliet, and how sharp are they? Well, it's a metal. Um, I'm not sure it's exactly the specific kind of material, but they're actually a lot lighter than they look. Um, and they have a small ball point on the tip, which, so it's, you know, I mean, you really have to kind of jab somebody to break the skin, which, you know, a lot of these dancers are capable of doing. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's more about sort of just in the eye or, um, you know, but uh, they're not, they're not sharp. They're not going to like cut something. They wouldn't, I don't think they would even cut paper. Somebody over here had a question earlier. Yes. On the tour to Australia, was it recorded music or did you have local artists perform with you? It was recorded music, yeah. Yes. The question is, what kind of advice would you give some young person who's interested in ballet um, and looking towards how ballet is changing in the future? Well, I, I don't think that there's a formula that if you follow that it, you, it's going to be successful. I think it's a really a, a personal approach. I think if it's something that, that stimulates you or interests you um, and challenges you in, in, a, in a satisfying way, then work hard and listen. Um, don't take everything personally. <laughs> yes. The question is, is Damien sporting a beard for the role or just because? The role. <laughs> yes. Um, do I have any n knowledge of who? 
I'm afraid I don't. Um, I'm not very m well informed to have a, an opinion on that. <clears throat> um, are you familiar? Right, right, yeah. I know that they have a, a, a lovely company there, um, and uh, they have a very interesting repertoire too, but I'm not that familiar with uh, everything that's going on in that area. Kind of after the fact, but that was a question about the new director oh, of the, the old director the, of oh the yeah, old director the last current director yeah. of Australian ballet Queensland ballet Queensland ballet okay yes. how do you stay in shape and avoid injury who said I'm avoiding injury <laughs> um, <clears throat> well. Ballet itself, you know, just taking class and the rehearsals um, and the performances keeps you in shape. Um, and I think also, <clears throat> again, it, it's a personal thing. There are some dancers who need to be more conscientious about what they eat or need more time to prepare for warm-up. Um, but I think, you know, healthy mind, healthy spirit, too, is also a big part of, like, staying in good shape. Um, but, you know, I like other outdoor activities too. You know, the one thing I, one of the first things I noticed about working in the theater was that there were no windows. Um, and that was at a young stage. Um, I have a passion for sailing. Uh, so I do some sailing as often as I can here in San Francisco. And I'm um, getting some certifications, etc. cetera. Um, so that, that keeps me in shape. Um, I ride my bike, uh, but you know, I, I don't do these consciously for the exercise. I do them just because I enjoy doing those things. Yeah. And I'm one of those fortunate people who can eat whatever they like and doesn't seem to affect me <laughs> yet. Yes. Does the music help you to dance or does it distract you? Um, it, it depends. Um, I think, you know, the music often, for me, plays an important role in the process of um, creating a piece, of remembering the choreography. It's kind of like when you hear a song that you have not heard for decades, and if somebody asked you what those lyrics were decades later, you wouldn't be able to remember. But as soon as that music starts to play, those lyrics just come pouring out of your mouth. So there's kind of that muscle memory. So the music has a very important role in that aspect. Um, <clears throat> I danced with Muriel Maffre before she retired many times. I had the fortunate opportunity to dance with Muriel Maffre. And she taught me or shared with me once about anticipating or dancing on the music, or dancing a little bit behind the music. You could, it, it's a playful thing as well. Um, sometimes when you're in the moment, um, I think when there, and a lot of it depends on the conductor, not that I want to blame or you know, give them all the credit, but there is that, having live music, you know, that's also we're all here collaborating and performing together, and it can really influence a performance or your, your state of mind. Um, but I think when, it's not that I'm ignoring the music, but when everything is just in unison and it's like I'm not following or being distracted by it or anything, it just kind of comes together. I think that's when it feels closest to perfection. 
Yes. Could you repeat? repeat what is it like to dance in this theater? Um, it's, it's very, very nice. I mean, it's one, it's an absolutely beautiful theater. And um, I feel so fortunate that, you know, not everybody has an office that looks like this. Um, it, it's nice, you know, I've, um, I rarely come out into the house um, or, and I try and avoid watching a ballet that I'm going to perform before I've premiered the piece because I don't want to remove from my perspective and put myself in a seat. So when I'm up there dancing, I don't want to remember how I look from the 10th row number, da 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 You know, I want to sort of see from this perspective outwards. And then after once I've already performed, then I will go and watch another cast uh, perform the piece. But it's, it's, a, it's a lovely place to work. One more, yes. Do you have any pre-performance routines that help you prepare? Um, <clears throat> everybody's got their, you know, uh, their their formula or, or, or their order of doing things. You know, some people prefer to put their makeup on first, then they'll go and warm up their body, and then they'll put their costume. Some dancers want to warm up in their costume so that you know they're feeling a part of their costume. Um, I, I, I think when I was younger, I was more aggressive on having my routine before a performance. Um, and it was sort of almost like a, a jinx, like if I didn't do it, like I had to do everything. You know, it was, I was one of those people who had to beat the next car that comes to the corner. Otherwise, I don't know, something like that's going to happen. Um, but I think just removing myself from distractions around me is really what I do now. Um, and of course, one routine is just going over the steps, even if they're like in your body and, and you do know it very well, just to kind of, you know, get the blood flowing, yeah. So I've kind of broken out of my routine, yeah. We are out of time. I would like to thank you all very much for being here and how about another round of applause for Damien Smith. Thank you very much.